both of them, incidentally, who are also uh, former writers of the future. I'm not sure if that's something that, that you've already that you've already sort of addressed uh, to your dear listeners, but but yeah, that's part of the community. There's been an overlap there. Um, but one of those is going to be going live in just a couple days, um, so we can have a, an initial preview story for people to get excited about the anthology as a whole. That's that's really cool. Um, and uh, is there a date for the? Um, you just said it, and I lost it. Um, you know the preview story or the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, the Kickstarter, the launch date is going to be Friday, September 8th. That is the launch date at the moment. If we decide to bump it back a week, that is also a possibility, but Friday, September 8th is our projected go date. And next week, early next week, most likely Monday, is when um, You Are the Mother of Doomsday, the Scarab Beetle story from Desmond Stare, is going to be going online. And one of the reasons we're doing that one as the preview story is because it has a secret message and encoded message embedded in the story and so that's a fun way to get some interaction going with the readers uh, so we're putting out the encoded message and there are clues embedded in the story so people can try to sort it out and tease it out themselves and then you know we'll be uh, we'll be doing some follow-ups on how to solve that one um, and also if we have some uh, some early puzzle solvers then we'll also be creating some little incentives and rewards along with the Kickstarter campaign for early solvers. You borrowed that from Mystery Writers, didn't you? <laughs> you know, I'm not actually sure if I've ever seen this one done in like a pre-sale campaign, but I do like uh, I do like stories that have some kind of code that is crackable. Um, so when I was reading like the Cryptonomicon, every time I ran into a page that had a code embedded in the page and there was enough data for me to try to sort through it, I would pause my read-through process and try to work through that code. So it is something that I enjoy doing personally. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's something that they've been doing in mysteries for years that just gets transferred over to science fiction now. It's kind of cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, in fact, Agatha Christie did a whole book for a hunt for treasure and just to advertise a British island in near and um, off the coast of England I can't remember the name of the island um, uh, it was that was what the whole book was for was to get uh, advertise this island and get treasure hunters to come and look for the treasure and and that was in like the 40s it was it yeah. was before uh, it was after the war. It was like uh, forty six or forty seven. People kind of hard up for money, and there was still the rationing going on. So they thought it was a good idea to to it would help people and it would help the island. Yeah, that's a cool concept. I did not know that that happened with an Agatha Christie book. Uh, that sounds like a fun one to possibly mine for again and reread. It's possible that I haven't read it, but I have read a lot of Christie at some point or another. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I just, I just, when you were talking about, it, I was like, oh, that sounds like one of the Christie books. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, because uh, she loved doing puzzle stuff. She actually yeah. did puzzles. If somebody put a puzzle in the paper, she would um, 
she would uh, sometimes she'd go under her husband's name, but she would send in her own solvings of it. Mm-hmm. It was one of her yeah. fun things. So just because you're a famous writer doesn't mean you don't want to get in on that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you'll have some science fiction writers that want to get in on that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the kind of people who are really interested in, in solving through something like that will get something out of it. And the readers who read and enjoy the story but are not interested in solving it can still read and enjoy the story. So it's a... Uh, it's a serving as many different readers as we can and being able to like give some funny directs to people who really want them um, along the way. Sounds like fun. Um, mm-hmm. Are you doing any... Um, are, you, are, are you working on a novel for yourself or are you just working on editing uh, uh, stories or are you writing short stories or what's happening? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing a few different projects at the moment. Um, so the one that's coming out in the nearest future is a novella, and actually on the on the Agatha Christie front, um, it's called Murder on the Barge Inn. That one's going to be coming out in mid-September, um, if I recall correctly. Then we were looking at September 19th. I will have to check my notes on that. Um, Murder on the Barge Inn, which is very inspired by some specific Agatha Christie murder mysteries, and it is about a, a converted barge, a converted cargo hauler um, that has been turned into a luxury hotel that takes routine trips around the sun um, and is rented out by usually very high-profile guests. Well, the ship does not make its rendezvous, and so two insurance assessors, insurance and reclamation assessors, are sent to find out what happened. Meanwhile, all the signs point to the fact there's probably some foul play on this ship that has gone off course. Um, and I'm not going to get into any more than that, but once you get started into the narrative, uh, the people who like reading murder mysteries and have seen some of these tropes show up before are going to be seeing them resurface in a in a science fiction arc um, that gets to play with some of these same things that, that a lot of people love in the Agatha Christie stories. That's cool. So that one's coming out, um, yeah, in a little less than a month, and it's the second of the shorter releases that I'm doing um, of a murder mystery in space variety. Just this last week, um, I released one called Dead of Night, and Dead of Night is a murder mystery on a long-range spaceship, so a long-range settlement ship, and the main character is a custodian, the night custodian of this vessel where most people are in deep sleep for several light years of travel. Um, and the night custodian's job is to wake up, check the systems, make sure everything's working fine, and uh, only wake up any kind of other crew if there is an emergency. And go figure the night custodian finds a dead body, which shouldn't have happened because there shouldn't have been anyone awake in order to kill them. And we go down the rabbit hole from there. The dead of night is a lot of fun, um, and it was one that I was actually, when it was originally published, uh, so before I've taken and republished it, um, I was actually commissioned to write a song for it. Uh, so that was, <laughs> that was another little added bonus that was fun to plug in. And did you write a song for it? I did, yep. And yep. what kind of a, was it a hit? Oh, I can't say that. It was not a hit. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't think that I know enough about the music industry to try to get something out there to make it any kind of a hit. Mostly if I write a song, it's because I think it's fun or amusing for a story, and then I'll do a simple recording, and 
either share it with only friends or pop it on YouTube and call it good there. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm not I'm I'm not really going for that direction to make it anything big. But once again, it's a fun experience if you know if the reader's reading the story and there's you know title of the song, fake artist of the song, link embedded. You can actually go listen to the song um, that's tied into the story. It sounds cute. Yeah. And uh, were you the one singing it? Yes. Aww. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. And do you have like a band? No, I don't. I um, I was a musical theater performer for a number of years, so I, I sing. I know enough piano that I can vamp out chords, um, and I can program a MIDI file uh, as a back as a background track to be able to play behind me. Okay. No, that's, so no full, that's the extent of it for me. So no full orchestra. <laughs> no. No full orchestration. No band. No. Oh. So you don't get to be a rock star that way. Yeah, that's fine. That sounds far more stressful than, uh, than writing and publishing. So I will, uh, I will refrain from doing the rock star thing. Okay. Well, everything's everything's stressful. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to yeah. be a rock star either. Um, <laughs> they have they there's they have really good parts and really bad parts of life, and I don't think that's for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it yeah it does not seem like a fit for me either. Um, what is your um, what is your uh way of writing um. Do you work on several uh, 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 projects at the same time, or are you focused on one? And do you have uh, an area that you sit in, it's an alone area, family, do not come near me? Or can you be anywhere and just look up, answer a question, go back to your writing? Mm. Well, I can answer the area one first. So if there's nobody else in the house, I can go anywhere. And by nobody else, I mean no other uh, humans in the house. I do have a parrot. Um, my parrot tends to sit on my shoulder while I'm typing frequently. Um, and then we recently got a puppy, and uh, my wife and I, we board dogs. So one of the nice things about, you know, working from home as, a, as an author, editor, and then during the school year, a part-time teacher, is we can have some extra income and have furry friends around. So so any room in the house is fine for me for, for writing if there's nobody else there. If there are other people in the house, then I will shot myself away in uh, in one of the rooms of the house. There's a small carpeted room that I've mostly converted into office, and it's also my the space that I teach from because I'm able to set up my bookshelf backdrop, um, and then otherwise storage is where I store my books. Uh, so I will go there, and that's kind of where I will hole away. The parrot comes in there with me. Dogs, not so much. Um, <laughs> so that's the where. Uh, if there are other people around and I have things written, I can I can edit with whatever else happening around me for the most part. Um, because in the editing, it's just a different space in my brain where I feel like I am reading it as a reader and also I'm reading it as a teacher, like using those same kinds of mindsets that I would take uh, when I'm grading something, when I'm reading it for not just clarity and enjoyment of the story, but also being able to spot what I need to to change it. Um, and I got really used to, to grading and workshopping things and doing 
nonfiction editing, the very boring kind that paid well. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was one of the kind of things that I was used to being able to do in any kind of group environment. And as far as the projects, well, I tend to be somebody who has several different projects at different stages. So it's not like I start two novels at the same time, um, but I like to have a novel in progress at any given moment. And while I'm working through that novel, sometimes I will be doing some, some brainstorming or some just like unfiltered, unedited, random scene creation of another novel. So I'll write out all the, the things that are like stuck in my brain and really exciting for the novel that will become my next project while I'm still in the middle of another one. Um, and because the short story circuit is, is the way it is, short story submissions and short story commissions, when those show up, I, I try to block out a day to draft as much as I can, hopefully finish the first draft of the story, um, and then put that into the queue for editing. So it sounds a little bit chaotic, but it's one of those things that I, I have a pretty good sense of how much time I need in order to write a chunk of text and how much time I'll need to edit a chunk of text. And so I just kind of slot them into my day uh, like they're work tasks. And that tends to that tends to work for me. Uh, so do you have the schedule? I do. Um, but I will admit my schedule is very movable or changeable. Um, there are a couple of uh, publishers that present at conferences who, who like to say that, you know, when people talk about a consistent balance in life, that it's not necessarily going to work if you're an indie publisher. And some people will disagree with this, and that's fine, too. Um, they're like, I don't go for balance, I go for priorities. And I've discovered that I really like that mindset. There are some days where I need to I need to crank out a few thousand words, and I need to sort of shut off the other things. And there are some days where I need to, you know, make sure that I'm dealing with all of the, uh, all the behind-the-scenes publishing tasks. So... You know, getting contracts out to uh, to the authors that I'm working with, and making sure that I have things like their headshots, their bios, the tagline for the story, um, and so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a range. I have blocks of the day that I will set up where I'm going to work on the most important thing on the docket, and then I will also have blocks of the day where I'm like, I'm making this specifically only writing time, but it does shift. Um, and I, I will fully admit that like my way of working through things might seem far too chaotic for some, but it works for me and I'm able to hit my deadlines. So as long as that's the case, I'm, I'm good to keep doing it. Um, when you're working, do you, and this is something, because I, I have a lot of writers that listen, do you like listen to music or do you like it silent? I often like to listen to music. There are times when I, I need to pause the music and speak aloud through a scene. Um, sometimes I will do my first drafts not in a speech-to-text dictation, but I will record my first draft like just onto my phone, hit voice recorder, and then I'll listen back through it and type it out. And that's a good way for me to be able to get through high-emotion scenes or dialogue unfiltered. And it's, it's not necessarily coherent the first time, but it's a really good first draft for me because then I know what the intention was. <laughs> um, so in those cases, the music tends to go off. If I'm editing, I definitely have some kind of music on. If I'm drafting and I'm typing things out and I, I'm not listening to a previously recorded portion, it's a hit or miss. Um, it depends on the mood of the scene and it depends on my mood at the time. 
I'm a really big fan of listening to things that I either know well enough that I don't need to pause to sing along because they can kind of just fade into to my background mind or things that don't have lyrics. So I'm not tempted to sing along regardless. Do you, um, when you're working, do you, uh, like, do you like to go outside um, or do you only work from the inside? I mean, I know people who will pick up their stuff and go out and work in the woods or whatever. Um, that's not my thing, but there are lots of people who seem to like to do that. Uh, <laughs> I just wondered if you do something like that. You know, I don't often. Um, I've had I've had some experiences and some attempts going outside and, and trying to work on a draft or something, but I don't think that it quite works for me. What I will do sometimes is I'll take a notebook so that I can jot down ideas by hand, or I'll take a sketchbook so I can like draw a scene or I can do a concept sketch for, for some kind of character. And being outside with those things usually tends to help free up my brain. So I'm getting out of my own way. Anything that I would be second-guessing or being like, oh, wait, maybe this idea won't work. When I'm in that stage, I want to push that side of me aside. I want to like just let whatever I'm feeling show up on the page, and not all of it's usable. But usually by going through that process, I can get the things on there that I do need and be able to step back, look at it, and say, ah, here's what will help the story, and here are the other things that maybe helped me get there but aren't going to help the story, so I won't use them. So, yeah. That makes sense. I, it, it, it seems it's... Uh... I, I take walks, but I, I and I do t um, I do listen and observe and and write down what I see. But I can't seem to write sitting on a bench in a park. I just I just yeah. don't feel I feel uncomfortable. Um, so yep, like I, I said, not for me. Uh, <laughs> um, so okay, my next question. I ask because it's interesting the differences between writers. When you're working on a project, do you read a novel or a book, or do you have to wait till you're between projects to read for pleasure? Well, I am somebody who's pretty much constantly uh, having a couple of different books that I could turn to. So I would say that I'm not somebody who pauses the reading entirely, but sometimes I will pause reading a certain type of genre um, or reading a certain type of tone because I don't want it to get too involved and influence the way that I'm writing or or sometimes the reverse. I don't want it to, like, uh, not really sure how to phrase this, but, like, there are sometimes when I'm reading something and that narrator's voice wants to make its way into the writing, and there are also sometimes when I'm reading something that is so antithetical to what I'm working on that it, it, it pulls me away in a way that's not fun. So there's, like, a weird balance point where I don't want to read something that seems way too similar to what I'm trying to convey, and I don't want to read something that seems way too different from, especially the tone um, that I'm trying to get into. So well, I do not read super happy things when I'm writing something super tragic. I mean, you probably wasn't reading Magpie Murders while you're working on your current book then. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm usually somebody who has some kind of a, a space opera or like, I'm going to say a kind of adventure fantasy, and I'm, I'm not even sure if fantasy is the right word, but like some kind of space opera, some kind of adventure that I can pick up as an escape um, at any given time. 
I also really like some of the the harder science fiction, um, and then I have other offshoots that I like getting into. So, so yeah, so some of the classic murder mysteries I can really enjoy. I've discovered that I I'm not a great candidate for for the more modern murder mysteries that are not also spec fic, that are not also like science fiction or fantasy. Um, and some people really get into them, that's fine. But I don't know. I I like the the more classic vibes for the murder mysteries. So I'm going to do them. But yeah. I definitely bounce around a little bit, but the one that's going to be most frequently on my shelf is some kind of a space opera adventure that I can treat as an escape. Okay, I understand that. It's interesting because I read a lot of different stuff, um, and one of the things that I've noticed is when I'm working on a certain type of book, I automatically go to like a totally different genre. Like, if I'm working on a mystery, then I'll read science fiction. Or if I'm re- writing science fiction, maybe I'll go to fantasy. I just, mm-hmm. it, it, but I always have a book going. I can't not have a book. I have to read. I yeah. mean, I read nonfiction, too. I mean, I'm constantly reading. I, I, do you understand, or does that sound clear? Oh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I am also somebody who will, you know, constantly have multiple books available uh-huh. so which which also confuses some people that like i i might have four different books that i'm reading at any one time reading i'm going to use air quotes here because you know some of them i will put down for two weeks and then remember to pick up afterwards and then some of them it's like cool i'm going to have a little bit of this in the morning i'm going to have a little bit of this in the evening um and and that that works for me it is not necessarily going to fit everyone i know i'm just i'm like that too i like multiple books in fact i'm reading because I heard uh, I had a interview the other day, and they said if I'm reading a nonfiction, I got to read only that type of nonfiction, and and I'm like, okay, I don't understand that. I'm sorry. I have right now I have going a, a book by David Copperfield about the history of magic, and I have Vincent and Theo about their life together. Totally different, <laughs> but they're both nonfiction. Yeah, the nonfiction book that I just finished was a uh, it was basically a primer for like marketing for authors um, it was by oh I'm going to blank on the name uh, Tao Wong um, yeah so I just finished that one I'm going to need to pick up another nonfiction book to have something on hand in the near future uh, but <laughs> but yeah and then I've got a few different fiction ones as well oh, I just picked up this really cool book at our, my local used bookstore it's a pan book which is like an old book is is mm-hmm. W Somerset Mon a writer's notebook. Doesn't that sound interesting? Mm. Yeah. He wrote uh, Brideshead Revisited. It's very his um like uh classic period. Yeah. And um well not ancient classic, more modern classic. Uh <laughs> sure. Nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. I don't know about you, but I have a fascination for the interwar period. Mm-hmm. Well, for everything, yeah. science fiction, mystery, all of this. I think it's fascinating. One of my guilty pleasure series is, uh, is the Jeeves series, so P.G. Boathouse. Oh, I love um, those, yes. Yeah. Those ones are delightful. They um, are just fun. They're just, yeah. they're non-thinking fun, really. They're just fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. There's 
Yeah. In case you They're charming and clever and it's it's a good it's a good breakaway from some of the other some of the other things that I juggle when I'm writing. Um in terms of, you know, worrying about ah, if I make this decision over here, is that going to collapse this civilization? Um, that could be a problem. And then I read some Jeeves and Worcester and it's like, ah, well that's yes. not a problem. Did you ever read one of the golf books? God, they're funny. Uh. You know, I'm not sure if I did. If I did, it's not, it's not popping in my head. Mm. Hmm. Yes, Jeeves uh, helping his master mess, not mess up with an with important golf thing. Just really Oh, funny. okay, got it. Sorry, I thought you were referring to a different uh, like a different series. No, Jeeves um, and I yeah, okay. Yes, but I have I have read I have read at least one of the stories that involves a scene with uh with, with Worcester going golfing. So then yes. And she's saving him. As usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a good formula. It is, it's so funny. Um, we're at the point um where we're gonna talk about writers of the future. Um, you were a winner. For uh, yes. the 38th um, book, um, yep. are you involved with uh, Writers of the Future for anything current, or um, like are you a judge, or do you, are you um, one of on um, any kind of um, teaching panels or, or anything like that? I, I will phrase it this way: I have not yet been been tagged to come in as a judge. Uh, we'll, we'll assume that's a few years down the road. I'll, okay. <laughs> I'll be presumptuous there. Um, no, so it's it's a group that I I would say that I am staying involved with. Um, so I will be I will be seeing uh, John Goodwin and, and Emily at uh, DragonCon um, at the end of this month. And because I've been working within the within my cohort from the Rise of the Future winners and gotten to know some of the past cohorts. That's been a very helpful group to work with when I'm setting up anthologies and when I have sort of authors that I can reach out to and say, hey, I'm looking for this kind of story that's going to, to fit into these themes. Um, I have some people that I can, I can very directly in, invite, which, is, which has been great. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to be meeting up with, uh, with David Hankins down there as well. Um, I'm not sure if you've done an interview with him recently or are going to in the near future. I have, uh, but I have. David Hankins is, yeah. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah, so he's a volume thirty nine winner. Um he was also one of the authors in Murderbirds in the first unhelpful encyclopedia. And he's got a story that's coming out in Murderbugs. Um and in terms of of interaction with the uh, sort of continuing writers of the future cohorts, it's kind of a question of what the organization wants to wants to tap me in for. Um, I'm I'm involved in some organizations, but they're also involved, and so there's a lot of overlap. I'm on staff with uh, Superstars Writing Seminars, um, and that's an organization that was started by uh, Kevin J. Anderson, um, Rebecca Mesta, uh, Brandon Sanderson, James Artemis Owen, and and two other founders, Dave Farland, who was the previous uh, head judge of Writers of the Future, recently passed, and Eric Flint, who also recently passed. Um, so the Superstars Writing Seminar is one that I'm very involved with, and Galaxy Press and Writers of the Future are also involved with that one every year. Um, and I teach workshops through Apex Writers Group, which was founded by Dave Charland, and also have some close connections there. So the answer is yes, uh, but with some asterisks. 
in terms of, of how involved I am and how many things I've gotten, uh, sort of gotten invited into. Um, but I'm liking that that list is growing. It is also very cool that, like, you know, some of my novels are on display in the Galaxy Press Library. <laughs> um, so I really like being able to to say that as a, well, yes, when I showed up to Rise of the Future, I came there with a trilogy, and and now those ones are on the shelves. So that's, that's also, uh, <laughs> you know, fun little vote of confidence. That's cool. Do you go to the award ceremonies? You know, the first time that I went was in uh, was last year in 2022. Um, I did not go to the 2023 one. I'm hoping to be able to make it to 2024 because that will be, you know, volume 40. Um, and I've got a couple other friends in in different uh, editing circles who are going to be going. So we're hoping to to meet up and you know, at the very least, go to the award ceremony there, but otherwise be able to spend some time in Los Angeles and with the next Writers of the Future cohort. Uh, so the plan is yes for next year. Okay, that's cool. And do you have any um, plans for, uh, other than DragonCon, going to any uh, seminars, conventions, anything like that? Yeah, so Superstars Writing Seminars um, in February is one that I'm going to be at this next year and will be continuing to go to uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, Dragon Con, I think, is going to be a, a pretty consistent one because it's, it's the big East Coast convention, um, or at least it's the big East Coast convention that seems to overlap with a lot of my genres. Um, and then more local to me in Virginia, Mars Con um, and Raven Con are ones that I'm going to be, uh, going to be continuing to, to go to. Otherwise, it kind of depends on what makes most sense in the schedule. Um, <laughs> and in general, I mean, not to sound too mercenary about this, but you know, if if an organization wants to wants to pay me to go to a conference or convention, then great, I will try to find a way to make it work. Uh, <laughs> there have been some occasions where that's happened, and I'm very appreciative, and I like being able to to get involved, show up, teach a couple workshops, sell some books, and be like, cool, made some more connections in the industry. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep going to some. Um, last year, so in 2022, I went to, I'm going to say, too many events. Uh, I, I had, including the online ones, I did 17 weekends of author events. Um, so it's literally a third of the year, and that was too much. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> uh, like it. <laughs> yeah, so this year I'm, I'm, I'm toning it down quite a bit. I'm making sure that I'm picking specific, deliberate events and, and also wanting to stay with things that are a little bit more local. Um, so my biggest distance ones this year were Colorado Springs um, in February and then going to Dragon Con in a few weeks. But otherwise, I'm, I'm staying within a couple-hour drive. Okay. Um, we're coming to the end. Uh, do you have a website? Yes, yeah. Um, my website is mikejackstumbos.com, uh, Stumbos spelled S-T-O-U-M-B-O-S. Um, and on my website, I also have a newsletter and mailing list. Uh, people sign up for the mailing list. They'll be sent a free story, um, A Roach by Any Other Name, which is a prequel story to the This Fine Crew series. Uh, and my website is you know, a good place to be able to see all of the novels that I have out. Um, so I've got the five science fiction novels out right now. And I also have some novellas, novelettes, and a lot of uh, a lot of anthologies. Um, and I, I will admit that I haven't actually kept up with posting 
uh, all of the anthologies on my website. So that's something that's um, that I'm going to rectify prior to the Kickstarter. So at a time when I'll be getting some more traffic at the website and the Kickstarter page, I want to make sure that I have everything uh, as updated as possible there. That makes sense. And um, what social media are you on? Um, these days, I'm mostly on Facebook, uh, so I'm very involved in a few different author groups on Facebook, and I have my author page, which, once again, if you type in Mike Jack Stumbos, you'll find Mike Jack Stumbos and author. Um, that's going to be the best one on the social media front, and otherwise, email. Um, when people reach out to me directly via email, it's much easier to figure out, uh, especially if I'm talking to to editors or anyone who's in, in like any kind of publicity there. Um, and yeah, the email that I take everything through on that one is mikejackwrites at gmail.com. Um, we've come to the end. Did we leave anything out that you wanted to say to everybody? <laughs> oh yeah, actually I should, uh, I feel like I should mention um, the Four Horsemen Universe novel. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the recent publications and didn't pop up on this one, um, but if you are a reader of military science fiction um, and like mech suits or uplift creatures, uh, then I would recommend checking out Defenders Rise. Uh, it's a Four Horsemen Universe novel. It is part of a larger universe, but it is a standalone novel within that universe. Um, and there have also been some follow-up stories from that, uh, including one that came out pretty recently in... Um, the first missions, so Phoenix Initiative first missions from the Four Horsemen universe, um, and that is a BC anthology. That is a very thick anthology in terms of numbers of, of stories and word count in there. So if you're looking for some, uh, some military science fiction, that's a good way to go. Okay. Yeah, those are some of my most recent releases. Cool. Um, thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, and thank you for chatting with Sherry. Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.